Amen. Well, Pastor Vanna is not here, and he asked me to, to minister on worship. I believe he's doing a, a series on worship, so um, we're going to go into the Word. I won't be long, but I believe that uh, the Lord has something for us. So let's pray, and we will start. Father, in the name of Jesus... We thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you for the life of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that that blood will never lose its power. We thank you that there is life in the blood. We thank you, oh God, that you are here by the power of your spirit. We thank you, Jesus. You are Lord, and you work and you move in your church. Be glorified, be praised, be exalted in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Turn to someone and say, I'm glad I'm in the house of the Lord. It's good to see you and for those who are online. So this uh, afternoon, for a few minutes, I want to just minister on what I would term the essence of worship. And my goal here this evening, if I can get one person that God will ignite in his or her heart a passion for presence and a passion for worship, I will say that my job is done. Hallelujah. So turn your Bible to um, John chapter 4. It's a very familiar passage. It's a story we all know starting from verse 10 of Jesus meeting the woman at the well of Samaria. And when Jesus met this lady, <laughs> he asked her for water and she said, well, you are a Jew. Why are you asking me a Samaritan for water? Because the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritan. And then Jesus said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who is asking you for a drink, you would have asked me and I would have given you what? Living water. So she says to Jesus, oh, I would like some of that water. If I have living water, uh, um, I will no longer have to come to this well and get water. And Jesus says to her, Go and call your husband. We know the story. She says, well, I don't have a husband. Jesus says to her, you have had uh, five husbands. And in fact, the one that you are with right now, he is not even your husband now. If we look at that um, story and we look at that lady, the fact that Jesus says to her, you know, you have had five husbands, and the one that you are with now, he's not even your husband, we would want to condemn her, right? To say this lady, oh, she's not a serious person. But as we go on in the story, the lady says to Jesus, ah, oh, sir, I perceive <laughs> that you are a prophet. And because she perceived he was a prophet. In verse 19, she says, 
Because you are a prophet. Let me ask you a question. I want to ask you a question. And here is my question. Our fathers worship on this mountain, but you Jews say that it is in Jerusalem that we are supposed to worship. So then the next verse says that Jesus answered her. So from there we see that it was a question that she was asking Jesus. In essence, this woman was saying to Jesus, I'm curious about worship. Where should worship take place? Now, I told you that if you just listen to what Jesus said and, and say, well, she has had five husbands and the one you are with is not your husband, you will condemn her to say that, oh, this is somebody who has no spiritual interest, right? But the fact that this woman says to Jesus, ah, oh, I perceive that you are a prophet. Can you explain something to me that I have been wondering about? Our fathers worship in this mountain, but you Jews say we must worship in Jerusalem. That tells me that this woman was spiritually hungry. She wanted to know what true worship entailed. She wanted to know how she could truly worship. And I want to start from there when I talk about the essence of worship before I go to what Jesus said to her about worship. This is, uh, I see some adults here. I see young people here. I see some people outside. But this is where we start. This is where worship starts. Worship starts from a place of spiritual hunger. Jesus would never have revealed to this lady about true worship if Jesus had not discerned in her a spiritual hunger to already know God, to already worship God. And this evening my prayer is for every person under the sound of my voice, every young person, every older person, that there will be a spiritual hunger in our hearts for worship. There will be a spiritual hunger to know God in the depths of worship. So she asks Jesus the question. She says, so tell me, our fathers worship on this mountain. You Jews say we should worship in Jerusalem. And then Jesus tells her an interesting thing. He says, woman, in verse 21, he said, believe me, the hour is coming, <laughs> and in fact, that hour is now, that you will neither worship God where? On the mountain? Neither are you coming to worship God in Jerusalem. That's not where worship is going to take place. You Samaritans, you don't even know what you are worshiping. You are going through forms. You are going through religion. It's all a ritual. He said, well, salvation is of the Jews. At least the Jews know what they are worshiping. But still, neither on this mountain, neither in Jerusalem, is worship going to take place. Why? Why is worship not going to take place in Jerusalem? Why is worship not going to take place on the mountain? Because 
Jesus. Hey, Jesus. The place of worship, hallelujah, is going to change. Jesus goes on to tell this woman, starting from verse 23, that God was never contented with that worship on the mountain or the worship even in Jerusalem. He accepted it for a time, but that was not God's original purpose. That was not his purpose. Hallelujah. He said, the hour is coming. Now is when true worshipers will do what? They will worship God where? In a place called spirit, in a place called truth. Because that is what God, <laughs> for 4,000 years, that is what God was, hey, was seeking for. That worship would not be on a mountain, not in Jerusalem. Worship would not be at a physical place, but worship would be in spirit and worship would be in truth. Then Jesus goes on in verse 24. He says, why? Because God is spirit. And the only acceptable worship that God wants is what? The worship that is done in spirit and in truth. And so we're going to break that down. I said to you, Jesus says to this woman who is spiritually hungry. Oh my God, Jesus. Hey, Calabaso. My prayer this evening is that every young person, every older person, myself included, that we will be spiritually hungry for God. Because we can be born again and we can just be going through the motions of religion. Oh, hallelujah. So Jesus said, worship must be in spirit and in truth. I said, I'm not going to take long because at the end, I really wanted for us to spend a few minutes and just worship God. For he's worthy. He's worthy. This God who was seeking for worship. So we know the story that when God made man, he put him in a what? A garden, right? And the Bible infers that God used to come in the heat of, in the cool of the day, and he would do what? He would commune, he would talk with Adam, right? But then we know the story, Adam and Eve, they sinned, and because of that, because of their sin, they became spiritually dead. So a barrier was placed between God and man. Now the only Worship that man could give God was a worship that was well in physical places. Either maybe, you know, or you do a rock, you do an altar, you worship God, and eventually with the Jews, it was why in Jerusalem in a physical temple before it was a tabernacle. So worship now became where you went to worship. But the reason for that is because man was spiritually dead. God is spirit. God says the one who will worship him will worship him in spirit and in truth. Man can no longer worship God in spirit or in truth because man is spiritually dead. And Jesus is saying that the father for 4,000 years from the time of Adam to the time. Oh, somebody hear me. Do, is, 
evening. From the time of Adam to the time of Christ, 4,000 years, God was never satisfied with worship that was only based on types and shadows, that was only based on physical places. He was seeking for worship in spirit and in truth. And so he says to this woman, no longer will worship be in Jerusalem or on the mountain. Worship must be in spirit. Worship must be in truth. Because God is spirit. And so the only acceptable worship that God accepts is spirit to spirit. So what does it mean to worship God in spirit? The Bible says when we are born again, when you gave your life to Jesus, Jesus comes to live inside of you by his spirit. In Romans 8, 9, I will not turn there. You can do the research for yourself. The Bible says we are in spirit. So if you are here and you are born again, you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, you are what? In spirit. What it means to be in spirit, it means that well, you are spiritually alive. That you are no longer spiritually dead. There is no longer a barrier between you and God. You are in spirit. And it is in this place of spirit to spirit, heart to heart connection that you can worship God. And that is the kind of worship God is looking for people of God. Hey, young people, that is the kind of worship God is, that's the only acceptable worship. When your spirit that is alive now to God, that you can begin to connect with God, heart to heart. That is the kind of worship for 4,000 years, hey, that God wanted. And Jesus came, died on the cross, shed his blood to what? To remove that barrier, the barrier of sin, right? So now we can worship God in spirit. And then he talked about worshiping God in truth. So we say God is spirit. We must worship God in spirit, which means it's spirit to spirit. That is why when we come together to worship, even though my heart, my spirit is connecting with God in spirit, I can still put up barriers, even though there is no barrier of sin anymore, but I can just go through the motions. Lord, I worship you, Lord, I praise you, Lord, I Or, I can come and I'm going somewhere because when I tell you about worship in truth, you will understand what I'm saying. So you can just go through the motion. Oh, Lord, I bless you, I praise you, hallelujah. In fact, some and I'm picking on the young people now, report me to Pastor Vani. Many times I notice that in the time of worship, many young people do not even worship. They do not even open their mouths. The person worship is there, and they are just like this. Whereas a father, whereas Jesus the son shared his blood, to make it possible for you to connect with God spirit to spirit. When you are born again, there's no barrier. No barrier, none at all. And I'm going to show you in Hebrews 
12. Hey, Jesus. Hey, Karama Sukuria Santelebosha. Jesus said, Now, Una must you worship in spirit. Now, Una is God looking for spirit to spirit worship. God is looking for worship that is in truth. What does that truth mean? It means the real thing, it means in reality. You say, What are you talking about? God is spirit. He's a father of spirits. You and myself, we are spirits. And we say that we are in spirit. What does that mean? It means that we are here physically in this auditorium. But you know where we are actually in spirit? Somebody want to tell me? Where are we? We are in heaven. If you are born again. The Bible says, he who is joined to the Lord Jesus is one spirit with him. So your spirit, Karaba, is seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That is where we are right now. There is no distance in the spirit. When I stand up and I begin to say, Hallelujah, Hallelujah, for the Lord God Almighty reigns. Do you know what? There are angels, hey, who are joining me in our worship, hallelujah, because spiritually we are together. And I'm going to show it to you in Hebrews chapter 12. The, the writer of Hebrews, he's talking to the church. And he, if you read the verses before, he's contrasting that old system of worship. He said, you have not come to a physical mountain like how Moses and the people. But then he says in Hebrews 12, 22, but you have come to truth. You have come to reality. You have come to the real thing. You have come to Mount Zion. People of God, when you worship, hey, you are here in Mount Zion. You have come to the city of the living God. You have come to the heavenly Jerusalem. You know there's a physical Jerusalem. But do you know that that physical Jerusalem was made on according to the pattern of the real Jerusalem? Where is that Jerusalem? It is in heaven. So many want to go and become tourists to physical Jerusalem. But the Bible said there is a Jerusalem which is from above. So it is that Jerusalem, hey, that we have come to. We have come to an innumerable company of angels. People of God, you may not see them now. But if God was to open your spiritual eyes, this hall is full of angels. Because spiritually, there is no difference between you Myself and the angels, we are all suspended in heaven. You have come to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn. What does that mean? It means that because you are spirit, God is spirit. Every person who has given his or her life to God, to Jesus, is spirit. When you worship here in harvest only and somebody is worshiping in a California, guess what? You are together. 
Let that one sing somewhere. <laughs> you have come to the general assembly of the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. You have come to God. Oh my God. When we are standing in the presence and we are worshiping, we have come to God, the eternal God, the maker of heaven and earth. He is present here right now in spirit. And we have come to him. We have come to the spirits of just men made perfect, which means all the believers who die and they're going to heaven, they are there too. And then we continue. He says, and to Jesus, <laughs> the mediator of the covenant and to the blood of sprinkling. What does that mean? It means Jesus who is sitting at the right hand of the Father. We have come. So when we worship, we are in the presence of God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. We are in the presence of angels. And the blood of Jesus is speaking for us. You know, many times, especially young believers and a lot of, you know, young people, the barrier, we said that the blood of Jesus removes every barrier, every hindrance to our worship, right? And we can worship in spirit and worship in truth, in reality, the real thing. But I said that many times we ourselves can put what? Physical barriers. And some of those barriers are what? They are guilt, they are condemnation, right? You've done something that you have no business doing, so you feel guilty. So you don't want to pray, you don't want to worship, you don't want to spend time with God. But it is important for you to know that in that heavenly Jerusalem, they say you have come to Jesus, who is the mediator. He is the one who stands between you and God. And you have come to the blood of sprinkling, which means the blood of Jesus is there making intercession for you. So the Bible says in Hebrews that you can come boldly before the very throne of grace. Nothing should hinder you. Nothing should stop you. For 4,000 years, this God was looking for people. And the blood of Jesus has made it possible for you to worship. My God, when I'm worshiping, you know what I, tell the, what I tell myself, what I tell the Father, and what I tell the devil? I say, Jesus died for the privilege of access for me to come <laughs> in spirit and worship God. Nothing is going to hinder my worship. I will worship God. Jesus said to the Pharisees when the children were crying, Hosanna in the temple. They said, tell them, tell them to stop. Jesus said, if they stop, the rocks will cry out. I don't know about you, but no rock is going to steal my praise. No rock is going to take my place. Rock? Rock is not, not spirit. That I, <laughs> the Bible says in Genesis, that when God made man, he put him in the garden. And there was a river that was flowing in that garden. And that was the place that God would come and God would commune with Adam. 
Somebody hear me this morning. The Bible says your body is the temple of God. You are God's garden. You are the place that the Father, Son, and Spirit can come and commune with you. What a privilege. Oh, my God. Give understanding. I pray for the spirit of wisdom and of revelation to come in the minds of these young people today. My God, that the God of the universe, creator of heaven and earth, made you for himself, made you for worship, that you are in spirit, that when you begin to sing, the angels stand at attention because, you see, angels worship God for who God is. But angels can never understand the songs of the redeemed. Why? Because we were bought by the blood of Jesus. And so that's a song that angels cannot sing. And so they, they stand at attention and they look at you as you worship. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. For the spirit of wisdom, for the spirit of revelation. I pray in the name of Jesus ah, for harvest only for the young people that they will realize that worship is not what the praise and worship necessarily do standing here. Worship is heart to heart communion with the Father. I pray you will give them understanding and you will give them revelation. That because they are born again, they are in spirit. And because they are in spirit, they are worshiping in the very presence of God. And God the Father longs for communion. He longs for fellowship. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, I said my goal here, if there is one person who from the sound of my voice will go home, Get on his or her knees and worship God. And make that a practice of his or her life going forth. Do you want to be transformed? Do you want to see your life go to another level? Learn to worship God. That word that says... That the Father is looking for those who will worship him. You know what the word there in the Greek, what it means? It means somebody who will kiss. You know, the, the Oriental, they are very affectionate people, right? Who will kiss the hand. It's like a dog licking the hands of the master. It's like someone who prostrates. You know how they do like the Islamic people and know how to bow their knee, their, their forehead. And that's what the Father is looking for. And you say, oh, God just wants us to watch. No. God, like Bishop said, his message, God is a blesser. And he wants to bless you. He wants to give his heart of love to you. So when you come and you begin to worship him in that place of reality, you begin to speak to him. You begin to tell him how much you appreciate him. My God, my God. Any parents here? If your child were to come and just get on you and say, oh, mommy, I love you, you will give that child the whole world. And God is seeking for us to go to another level in worship. 
It's good that we have corporate worship. But the worship that God is looking for is not necessarily the corporate worship. He's looking for me and you to have that private, personal time where we are worshiping him, where we are communing with him, we are being intimate with him, two of us together. And then when we all do it and we come together corporately, see what God will do. See what God will do. Oh, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Lift up your hands, sis, and begin to talk to God. Begin to tell him, Father, I love you. Begin to open your mouth. Those of us who come and we don't open our mouths to sing, I want you to open your mouth and begin to tell God, Father, thank you. You are spirit. You made me to worship. You made me for yourself. I want to hear it. Say it loud enough so I can hear it. So I can know that we are worshiping. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Oh, eternal God. I worship you. You are worthy. There is none like unto you. Great God of the universe, the maker of heaven and earth. As you came in the garden to fellowship with Adam, so you have come to fellowship with me. No barrier, all barriers removed. Hey, Jesus. And I'm in the heavenly Jerusalem. <laughs> Ooh, in the presence of God. And I can worship. Somebody lift up your voice and begin to bless the Lord. You cannot give him glory. He's worthy. He's worthy. There is none like Jesus. Oh, we worship you, Lord. We adore you. We magnify your name. Oh my God, I pray in the name of Jesus. Set somebody loose to worship you. Father, you are looking for those who will worship you. Worship in spirit and in truth. For you are spirit and you long for our worship. And we are here in the heavenly Jerusalem, Lord. <laughs> oh, we are in the presence of Jesus, the mediator. And the blood of Jesus is speaking on our behalf. It's speaking forgiving. It's speaking we are justified, no condemnation. My God, to a work in the lives of the young people of this church. Let them be worshippers, oh God. Let them be worshippers, Jesus. Oh, like the woman of Samaria was so hungry for you. My God, make our young people hungry for worship. Let them be hungry for the living God himself. Let them be hungry, Lord. 
No barriers, every barrier removed, every barrier of guilt, every barrier of condemnation, Lord, remove. Every idol, everything, oh Lord, that has taken your place in their hearts, let it be removed, Jesus. I pray for young people who will worship. Young people who will have a revelation of how you love them, Jesus. How you love them, Lord. How you love us all. <laughs> I pray for us. Break through. Break through in worship. Break through in worship in this church. young men who will worship, who will not be ashamed to lift their hands and worship you. <laughs> I cry out for young women who are prostrate in your presence, not ashamed to worship. That a great God of the universe, he has invited us, he has come and made his abode with us, he has come and put his spirit in us. We will worship you. You who love us more than anything else, we will worship you, Jesus. Let every barrier be removed, every guilt, every condemnation, all the idols we have erected, and let our spirits. Young people, listen to me and listen to me. It's good that you can serve God. I'm so impressed. You are working. You are hard workers. But Jesus went to the house of two sisters one day. <laughs> Martha was very active. She was working hard. But Mary sat at the feet of Jesus to commune heart to heart and Jesus said that Mary has chosen the better thing be a person of service is good but let your service flow from your worship God is calling you God is calling myself he's calling all of us to that heart to heart communion with the father that is the place of great joy, of great blessing. That is the place that he will show us wonderful things. He will speak to you. He will commune with you. You will know that he's not just an, a figment of your imagination. He's a real person. So many of you are in college. So many of you are concerned about your future and what God will speak to you. But it will happen. As you make time for him in worship. Hallelujah. So praise and worship help me. We're gonna sing every two minutes. I told you I was not long, and we're gonna sit down. And if I can get one person to leave their service and say, I will become 
a worshiper of God. Hallelujah, let's go. Oh, that's what they're gonna start. God's own heart. He was a very young boy, maybe in his a teenager. <laughs> but he was a worshiper of God. God took him from mining sheep and made him the king of Israel. And what was his secret? He worshipped God. And he was under the old covenant that he was, his spirit was not even alive. How much more? Young people, God wants to, in, God wants to enlarge you. He wants to do great things in your life. 
He wants you. Oh, Father, we pray for grace. In the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you.